As promised two weeks ago, we're going to take a look at the issue of Maharana Shabbat, which, uh, as you can see from the title, was a battle. It was actually the biggest battle that we have that we have on record as taking place during the last, the waning years of the Beit HaMikdash. Um, and there are numerous literature, um, lots of literature about it, and numerous references to it all over Tanaitic and Amoraic literature. Uh, we'll take a look at a couple of them. Uh, and it all starts with two words, and the two words are Mimocharat HaShabbat. Uh, and towards the end of this year, I'll reference something we did two weeks ago, and uh, as theory about uh, about the Shvoyim or Shvoyim uh, in the in the context of Tazria. But let's take a look at the source text itself, and it's this week's Parsha, which is why we're doing it. Parsha Tamor, of course, includes the most detailed presentation of the calendar we have anywhere in the Torah or anywhere in Tanakh. And it goes through Shabbat, Pesach, Matzot, Omer, Sfira, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Sukkot, Shmini You can't really do better than that. And the section about the Omer begins as follows. By the Baral Adonai, Rosh Hashanah, Source 1, The Baral Adonai, Yisrael, Maratali, Em, Kitavu, El, Aretz, Hashanah, Noten, Lachem, Ketzatem, Ketzirah. So when you come to the land, you're going to harvest your harvest. Omer, You win an Omer's worth of the first harvest. The first harvest, of course, will be barley, because that ripens earliest. He'll lift up this omer's worth of barley in front of Hashem. Right? So it will be Mimacharat HaShabbat. Now, if you're reading this without any guidance, what does that mean? How would you translate that? When is he supposed to do that? So if you look back earlier, you're going to see even further confusion because uktsartemek tzirah, meaning you're going to harvest your harvest. When are you going to do that? You're going to harvest when it's ready, whenever it might be. And then you're going to bring an omer of the first thing that you harvest to the Kohen, and then the Kohen will lift it up. So it sounds like the Kohen's supposed to delay doing this offering until a date known as Mimacharat Shabbat. Okay, now when is Mimacharat Shabbat? Well, how would you translate that? The day after some big Shabbat. Right. So the day after the Shabbat. The only problem is, what's the Shabbat? That's what we're going to... Maybe it's the Shabbat after, whatever Shabbat is after that harvest. Yeah, HaShabbat. What's HaShabbat? There's no such thing HaShabbat. There's Shabbat. All right. And now, so we have this mysterious day on which he's supposed to offer up the Omer. And Vasitem Omer. Keves tamim ben shatoli ola ladunai. Along with the omer, you bring a keves, umin chato, shnei sonim, etc. And then the isur of chadak, the lechem lekaliv chamel lo tochlu ad etzam ayamazav. We're going to come back to that phrase later on. And then usfartem lechem mimacharat mimacharat haShabbat. So again, from that mimacharat haShabbat day, which is miyoma viachem etomar tufa. In case you didn't get it, that's the day you're bringing the omer. You count from that day. Sheva Shabbatot Mimotiana, seven perfect weeks. Notice the phrase, seven perfect weeks. What's a perfect week? What are Shabbatot Mimot? All right, so keep that juggling. You notice that the problem is not just Machorah Shabbat, the, the, the Parsha is riddled with problems. Admi Machorata Shabbat Hashviit is Bruchamishimyom. So now, Remember, you're starting Mimocharat Shabbat, and you're going to count seven weeks, which means every week there'll be a Shabbat and a Mocharat Shabbat. 
And you're going to count until Mokharada Shabbat HaShvi'it, which actually gives you 49 days. Except that if you start on Mokharada Shabbat, and you end on Mokharada Shabbat, you end up with 50 days. Right? Because if you start on Mokharada Shabbat, seven days will be Shabbat. You'll start another count of seven on, Shab- on Mokharada Shabbat. So if you count and include Mokharada Shabbat HaShvi'it, that'll be 50 days. Okay. Then you're going to bring a new mincha, and that is, as we see, the shteyalechem. And what are you going to bring with the shteyalechem? A korban, kfasim, and a chatat, classic uh, musaf. And the kohen is going to lift them up again, right? And on that day, you declare a chag. That's the chag that we know as chag katsir or chag shavuot. And then there's a warning against clear-cutting your field. And um and uh Leket and Payar mentioned here. Okay. That is the holiday of Shavuot, the mitzvah of Svirata Omer, how we get to Shavuot in Vaidikra. Now in the Dvarim, we get a much shorter but different treatment. The Torah says, Shiva Shavuot Tisporlach. Count seven weeks. Notice what's missing from this description. Mocharata Shabbat. It just says count seven weeks. It's also not Shabbatot Timimot. Me'achel chermesh ba'kamaf, when you first pick up the scythe on the stalk, ha'chel lispor shiva shavuot, start counting seven weeks. Ve'asita chag shavuot, Adonai Elohecha. And make a festival of shavuot, because you counted seven weeks to get there. Misat nidvayin chashden, kashed v'achat Adonai Elohecha, with whatever gifts God has blessed you with. Okay, those are the two presentations of Sfirah Omer, the two presentations of Sfirah. Here, by the way, there's no mention of an Omer in Tvarim, and there's no mention of a Korban that's brought at the beginning. There's a mention of a, a harvest season when you start cutting the first thing, and you start and you count seven weeks, it's arrived, then you have another holiday, then you have a holiday, sorry, and that holiday is Chag Shavuot. All right, two very different presentations of the uh, of the of the holiday, and therein lies perhaps well, at least one of the solutions. Certainly, maybe therein lies the solution to the problem. But now let me illustrate how thorny of an issue this was. The Mishnah in Menachot in the tenth parak, which deals with Korban Omer and related things, describes the Omer the Ksirata Omer. Omer, cutting the Omer, is the event that you're then going to bring that Omer to the Kohen as the Korban, and that's the event that, that ticks, kicks off the counting. Ketzad HaYuosin, this is describing an eyewitness account. What would they do? So the Beitin Rav agents who would go out on Erev, like before the Seder. They would identify where the barley that was going to be harvested was, and they would already tie it right next to the ground, so they could right away identify it uh, the next night, not not that, the next night, and be easy to cut. All the nearby cities all would gather, because is a literal translation of big deal. They want this to be a big deal. <laughs> now, so now, there's a guy who's got a scythe in his hand, and he would say to the Beitin, meaning as the sun set, which means, by the way, they would be going out there 
before dark and waiting. And the minute it got dark, it's at the end of the first day of Yom Tov. <clears throat> says the sun set, they'd say, hey, they would answer in Greek, yes. Magalzu, and he's holding up a scythe. He said, you want me to use this scythe? Hein, magalzu, hein. Kupazu, you want me to put it in this basket? Hein, kupazu. Obviously, this is a lot of fanfare, a lot of pomp and circumstance. Over Shabbat, Omer Lahem, Shabbat Zo, Omrim Hain, Shabbat Zo, Omrim Hain. Here we're dealing with the possibility, which is not available in our calendar, of Shabbat, of, of the Seder being on Thursday night. Can't happen in our calendar. But if the Seder is Thursday night, then this is now Friday night. And Friday night he would say, you want me to cut on this Shabbat? It'd say yes. All right? And then he would say, Ekzor, shall I cut? Omrim lo Ekzor, Ekzor, Omrim lo Ekzor. And now we find out that the Tana has actually been fifty with his words till now, because every one of these things was not twice, but three times. This Shabbat, yes, this Shabbat, yes, this Shabbat, yes, etc. And each one they would say, yes, yes, yes. All right? Why the big deal? I'll talk about that in a minute. Right? Because their statement, their position was that you do not cut the Omer on Motzei Yom Tov. What was their actual position? You cut the Omer on a Saturday night. And it has nothing to do with Pesach, as you will see when we see their calendar. And therefore, our big deal of getting a lot of people around and having this pomp and circumstance back and forth, yes, 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 was in order to highlight that we are sticking to a tradition that is against the Baitusi tradition, or the Baitusi understanding of things. Now, who are the Baitusin or Baitsin? So it's an interesting little historic conundrum, I'll just briefly address, is, as you know, during, during the last couple hundred years of the Beit HaMikdash, there were numerous sects that each claimed um, exclusive propriety of tradition. There was the Pharisees, which I guess you would call us, or the Rabbinates, and there are various other sects that claim to have other traditions that they claimed were the legitimate tradition. Nobody claimed there was no tradition. And we're not dealing with literalists. Don't confuse this with the Karaites. But the Tzadokim had a different tradition. And one of the flashpoints of this, of course, was Yom Kippur, uh, where we had to make the Kohen Gadol take an oath that he wouldn't follow the Sadducee tradition about the Ktar, because nobody would be in there to watch him. And the Tzadokim had, the Tzadokim themselves were a group that was largely uh, focused around Yushalayim, very involved with Mikdash, many of the Kohanim were Tzadokim, and the Tzadokim were also ingratiated with and members of the, and members of the royal family of the Hasmoneans, who were not big fans of the rabbinate. Take a look at Kedushin Samach Zayin if you want to see it, an upsetting example. And, uh, and there were various other sects that had other positions that seemed to us, at least, to be much more aligned with the Tzadokim. And one of these groups was called, called in rabbinic literature the Baitusin. Now, the problem is that in historic literature, the Baitusin don't appear. Josephus talks about the Sadducees, talks about the Pharisees, and he also talks about another group called the Essenes that seemed to be some sort of an ascetic group. The problem is the Essenes don't show up in rabbinic literature. So if you put one and two together and you get three, you might realize, perhaps, this is what Lieberman claims, 
is that Baitusin is actually, and you see the spelling here in this Mishnah, in, in Kaufman, is Beit Sin. In other words, the group was actually the Beit Isin, the house of the Isin, Isins, and same group. In any case, what was their position? And it was really a, a position that we will find out in a few minutes was held by the the sect that lived in Qumran also, or or that's who they are. And that is that cutting the Omer can only take place, uh, the, cutting the Omer does not take place on Motzei Yom Tov. And therefore, we're going to oppose that position and, and stridently uh, declare that we have the right uh, the right issue. Now, the problem is, of course, that in their in their world, it was cut on a Saturday night for very good reasons, because the Torah says, Mimacharat Shabbat. And you count seven weeks, Mimacharat Shabbat. And of course, the big dinger on this is, what day of the week is Shavuot? Because in their world, Shavuot can only fall out on a Sunday, by definition. And in our world, it can fall out any day of the week, just depending on when Pesach was, and it's going to be 50 days later. Right? And our own calendar, it can only fall out on four different days, but that's a separate issue. But not connected with the issue of Sunday. Right? Now, we're not going to look through all of this, both because of time and because of, you'll see why. But the Midrash Halacha, here you have the Sifra. Look how long this passage is. This is a series of arguments promoting the rabbinic position that Mimachar Shabbat is, um, is, uh, not Sunday, but is Mimacharat Yom Tov, using all sorts of different arguments. By the way, what does that tell you if there are nine or ten arguments here? Eight or nine are wrong. Well, not that they're wrong, but none of them are very compelling, because if they were, there wouldn't be the other eight, right? When was Sifra written? The Sifra is third century. Okay. All right? Um, we now have a sugya in Menachot. And I'll read you this, the highlighted passage, because it's of historic and halachic significance, historic significance here, because it starts out with a quote. This is the Sugi Ma'achot following that Mishnah that we saw. Um, it is um, um, the passage from Megillat Tanit. We've talked about Megillat Tanit numerous times, and it's from the beginning of Megillat Tanit. So the introduction of Megillat Tanit reads, The following are days you can't fast. On a few of them you can't even have a spading. And what are they? So for the first eight days of Nisan, you can't fast, right? Itokam Tamida. The Korban Tamid was 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 sustained or was maintained. The Gemara later explains what that means is that the Tzadukim had a position that a person can personally donate a Korban Tamid, and our position was it has to come from the public fund. We won, and during that period, so every year that was a festive time. Umitmanya Moada. From the 8th of Nisan, all the way till the end of Pesach, one year, there was a battle on it. We finally won the battle that Shavuot was restored to its proper place in the calendar, and therefore, you can't fast or have a in. I know you can ask the question, isn't it Chosh Nisan anyways? Now, my Jewish and they had, that's the that. Now, the second thing is mitzmanya beviat sof moadai totav chagad shvoyed lemeispeid shayub by tusin omrim atzeret achar hashabbat shavuot's always on Sunday 
And now Rabbi Yochum and Zakai interacts with them. And again, we have a bunch of, and by the way, not, not, they're not all the same arguments as the one we had in the Sifra. But look at that. Almost all of this is a series of arguments trying to demonstrate that Machor Shabbat does not mean Sunday. Which again tells you that there's a difficulty here. By the way, this difficulty is not resolved. It's not resolved in the Gemara. It's not resolved in the Shurnim. It's not resolved in 2023. People are still writing articles and still uh, cre- uh, producing arguments to try to support the rabbinic position. And every one of them is interesting, and none of them are overly compelling, because otherwise that would be the end of that literature, perhaps. In any case, you could see how many different of the Chachamim participate in this interaction or in this series of arguments. Yes? Yeah. Does that suggest that the argue, the Essene argument is strong? about Besides the fact that it says the word Shabbat. Right. Did they counter to say this is why we're more compelling? Well, the, the 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 arguments are because are are because the very simple proof text that they have is compelling. Machara Shabbat. I'll give you another example. You have the same phenomenon takes place at the beginning of the eighth paragraph of Bava when there are at least eight different arguments supporting the idea that Ayin Takan Ayin doesn't mean you poke the guy's eye out. And why do you need that? Because and there was at that time there was nobody advocating that. But it wasn't like there was a practice that we had a counter. It was just the way you read the Torah. Lex Talionis. So, Ayin Tachan Ayin, you read it, it sounds like, just like Nefesh Tachat Nefesh means you kill somebody, you get killed. So, Ayin Tachan Ayin, punch somebody's eye out, we punch out your eye. How can we prove our position, which is that it's actually a financial payment? So, all sorts of arguments are used to try to support it because you're running against the simple street of the text. Now, we take a look at the Rambam. The Rambam was bothered by this. The Rambam describes, uh, <coughs> describes the Omer. This is in Hilchot Tmini Musafin. Describes the Omer and describes their position. And now, <coughs> here we go. Uh, he's going to... The whole Kachlama. Why this whole big deal? The Rambam describes the big deal that we just saw. This sect. Shabbat means Sunday. That's what they said. We had a tradition that said The Shabbat there actually means Yom Tov. Shabbat means the day after the first day of Pesach. Now watch this first argument. And by the way, if you think about it, that's perhaps the strongest argument, but it's one you can't really use outside your own circle, which is, you know how I know what tefillin look like? Because my daddy put on tefillin. And you know my, how my daddy knew what tefillin looked like? Because his daddy put on tefillin. That's what we call Masora. That's what we know. And the Rambam invokes that here and says, the Nevim, they all knew every year the Omer was brought on the 16th of Nisan, whatever day of the week it was. So clearly these guys were wrong. Now, uh, and he now brings a proof. What's his proof? Uh, that you cannot eat new grain until this very day, Chadash. And then he quotes Yoshua Hay, says they brought the Korban Pesach, and then the day afterwards they started eating of the grain. Now, so if you're going to tell me that the next day was the day they brought the Omer, because the day that they 
offered the Pesach was Shabbat, and it's not Mimochavara Shabbat, right? Then, Why the text associate their being able to eat with it being the day after Pesach? You want to say it was Mimochavara Shabbat. So he says very simply, the text says me mocharata pesach. That's when they started eating new grain. And you're not allowed to eat new grain until after the Omer is brought. So clearly, from Sefer Yeshua, you could see that all the way back in Yeshua's time, they understood. Machara Shabbat means the day after the first day of Pesach. That's the Rambam's famous argument. The Rambam is not the end of the discussion. He's another argument. The Kuzari brings a different argument. And again, he addresses, because the Kuzari's, of course, presentation is a presentation which is chiefly aimed at, at the world of Islamic philosophy. That's how he introduces the book. Along the way, he um, addresses both Islamic faith and Christian faith. But he also has to deal with internal issues. And the biggest issue in the Kuzari's time that was internal to Judaism was the same issue that had plagued with Sadiqon. And it plagued Jewish leaders for 100 years before Sadiqon in front of the 300 years, and that was Karaism. And so you can see why the Karaites would just jump on this, Milchad Shabbat. So he says, Kamosha, Amar, Ibn Avi, etc., etc., and then he says, he said, however, we're not going to disagree with the Karaites that Machara Shabbat means Sunday. Now, I want you to hear this. This is reviewed on Levi. Machara Shabbat means Sunday. That's fine. And this is the Kitzur, how he explains it. He says that the Torah says Machar Shabbat because the Torah is trying to use an example. Meaning, if Pesach is on Shabbat, then the next day you're going to bring in Omer, that'll be Machar Shabbat. You'll count seven Shabbatot Mimot, and we're going to come back to that. And then you'll have seven full weeks, and the next day will be Shavuot. Of course, if Pesach falls out on a Tuesday, you'll start on a Wednesday. In other words, he says that the Torah in Vayikra is giving us just an example. If it happens to fall out that Pesach falls on Shabbat, then Pesach is on Friday, and the, the Seder is on Friday night, then the Omer will be on Mohar Shabbat on Sunday, and seven weeks later, that's fine. Now, he has something strong that's supporting him. Because take a look again at the description in the first parasha. Shema Shabbatot Timimot Tiana. What is a Shabbat Tmima? And clearly, Shabbatot here means weeks. What is a perfect week? So one can certainly make the argument that a perfect week means Sunday to Shabbos and not Wednesday to Tuesday. Meaning, a complete week that is exactly a week fitting within the contours of a of an objective week, which is Sunday to Shabbat. And so therefore you can make the argument that the way that the Torah is describing this event 
is using the example of a perfectly aligned week, but not a week that uh, that necessarily it could it could play out differently. And then, by the way, you have a very easy answer for the presentation in Dvarim. What's in what's Dvarim? Dvarim is Shivashavotisporlach. And here I want to take you back to what we learned what I talked about two weeks ago with the problem of the Shuaim. Remember the Shuaim and the Shuaim. And we noted that in the proper Tavyad, on the proper uh, published, in um, all the Kitvayad of the Sifra, including the one that we saw that was Minukad, the word there is not Shuaim. They're not suggesting, it's not Shivim. They're not suggesting, ooh, let's read Shivim. But rather, instead of Shuaim, read Shvuim. Meaning, that it should mean a, a week. She should be Tmeya a week. And that's how the argument that goes later, that goes on later, argues that when she has a girl, instead of being Tmeya two weeks, read it as one week. And so Na'e, in this famous article that he wrote in this in 1992, about that, that whole issue of Emma Mikra, suggests that what they were really saying is that there are two different ways to consider a week. There is a localized week and a standardized week. Or shall we say a subjective week and an objective week. A subjective week is today's Wednesday. Lo Alenu, somebody buries their dead today, they sit shiva, they get up on Tuesday. However, the objective week, the standard week, the communal week is Sunday to Shabbos. And so he makes the argument, Naes says that what they were making the argument is perhaps when a woman gives birth to a girl, she has to have seven days, which are a proper week, a Shavua Shabbati, as he calls it, meaning Sunday to Shabbos. So if she gives birth on a Wednesday, she'll be playing off for 10 days. And then his answer was, uh, you know, that and it's two weeks, etc. And that actually is borne out here because you see the difference between the weeks in Vayikra and the weeks in Dvarim. The weeks in Vayikra are somehow modulated by the word Shabbat. The weeks in Dvarim are just weeks. And we know the difference between a week that, of which we are now on day four of. I know because this morning we said a Yom Yom Revi'i Shabbat. And a week, it starts from whatever event happens and you say seven days from now is a week. And so that seems to be the heart and soul of the Kuzari's argument, which is that Moharata Shabbat is just giving us an example of how this would play out if um, if uh, the if Pesach fell out on Shabbat, and then the one in Tvarim regulates it and says, no, it's seven weeks from whenever you start, whatever day of the week that might be. And that is, if you think about it, a somewhat compelling argument, but then you got to wonder why the Torah used that particular example and then, of course, confuse us and create all of this, these difficulties. Um, two things I want to just quickly show you, just historically, just quick notes. First of all, this is the Tosefta and Masachat Rosh Hashanah, and notice how Baitusin is spelled in the, in the Tosefta. It's spelled Baitsin, or Baitisin. And the, a, another Tosefta in, in Rosh Hashanah, matter of fact, the, um, Actually, it's, a, it's the, the same thing. I just wrote it separately because a different point to bring out from it. Tells us the story of people who came up from Malaya Dumim, 
which means that they're coming from the area where the the Dead Sea the Dead Sea sect was living. They're coming up from there, and they came and deliberately tried to confound the testimony about Rosh Chodesh, because that was part of their aim was to confuse the calendar. And they even paid a guy to lie about it, and he tells the whole story. It's a crazy story. Read it when you have a chance. The reason for that is something that we actually discovered um, less than 60 years ago. As you know, the most significant find of the last few hundred years, at least, is the Dead Sea Scrolls. And among the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the most significant uh, texts is one that includes their calendar. I got this from Schiffman's book on the on the scrolls, um, and you see their calendar. What a calendar looks like. They had that, that sect had a lunar solar calendar. Their months didn't have names because, of course, the month names are pagan. But notice how they had it. The first month would always start on a Wednesday. What they had was three months of thirteen weeks, so that every three months they'd go back to the same day of the week. They deliberately started on Wednesday because that's the day in Brashit that the sun and moon were set up in the sky. And they always started on Wednesday, which means, by the way, Pesach was always on a Tuesday. Starting Tuesday night was the Seder. Wednesday was the beginning of Matzot. There in their calendar, the Omer was brought on the Sunday after Matzot was over, on the 26th of what we call Nisan. And then on the 15th of Sivan, they had a Chagah Katsir, Sunday to Sunday. That was their set calendar. A lot of other interesting stuff on this calendar. And so once we see that, we can understand a lot of things, but we can also understand here their connection to Machara Shabbat and being totally divorced from Pesach. It starts after Pesach is even over. The whole Pesach festival is over. So we, we get a sense of where they're coming from. I want to suggest Two other very quick solutions to the problem of Maharaj Shabbat in the no time that's left. Um, the first one is um, is something that Professor Yudali Tsur suggested, and his son published the article after Professor Yudali Tsur passed away um, about the use of the light for it. The the frequent word, the key word that's used often in Parashot, which impacts on other words. I'll give you one quick example. In the passage that we just read about from Yoshua, that the Rambam quoted, the uh, the text of Yoshua uses the word la'avor over 20 times mm-hmm. in the third and fourth chapter of Yoshua, because it's about crossing the Ardain. And that has an impact on the rest of the language. So, for instance, in Parakei, when Yoshua finds himself in Yericho, in that vision, or whatever it is, when he falls down, takes his shoes off, it says he's in Arvot Yericho. Which is strange because Yericho, Arvot Yericho is outside. That's the, the the plains, but not the city. And in that same text, it also says that they ate me'avur ha'aretz. Avur is an extremely rare word for produce. The word that we'd expect is the word shows for the next pasuk, tvua. But it's impacted by the word la'avur. Now, if you look at our parsha in Emor, pay attention to it this week in Revi and Chamish and Shishi you will notice over and over the use of the word Shabbat. There is Shabbat, and there is Shabbat, and then there is Shabbaton, and there's Shabbat Shabbaton. Right? Rosh Hashanah is a Shabbaton, Yom Kippur is a Shabbat Shabbaton, Sukkot is a Shabbaton, Shemir is a Shabbaton. The key word through this whole piece is Shabbat. So Professor Eli claims 
That's why Mimacharat Pesach is called Macharat Shabbat. It simply takes on that same word that's been used throughout the parasha. I'd like to suggest one other possible take on it, which is somewhat complex, and you have to look at this a little bit on your own. What I did is I scoped out the parsha that we have, uh, and I mapped it out, and you'll notice that the entire piece is really a chiasmus. And you'll notice how these terms line up. You'll look at it on your own, and you'll see how the terms line up. Uh, the very beginning talks about Liktsor. And at the end, you have Liktsor four times, three times in the first, four times in the last Pasuk. And that, by the way, tells you that Ksira is the key word in this whole thing, seven times. You then have in the second section, Ve'inifa Ta'omer, and here Ve'inifa Kohen, the Kohen lifts it up. Um, in the uh, third section, you're going to bring a keves. Here you're going to bring kvasim. Here in the fourth section, the mincha that comes along with it. And here is the mincha that comes along with it. In Pasuk Yodalad is the Isur of Chadash. Pasuk Yodzayin is again, just like the Isur of Chadash. And the word lechem is used. And then in the middle, of course, you have Sfirah. Sfirah from this point and then until when. So that's all Sfirah. Now, the two things that I did too quickly on, on purpose is if you look at Pasuk Yod Aleph, you'll see the coin lifts up the Omer, that's our, our pregnant phrase. Look at the parallel passage below. Now notice, matches Shabbat. Because that's the date of the Omer is Machara Shabbat, and the date of the Shtealachim is called Ba'etzamayomazem. What does Ba'etzamayomazem mean? It means this very self same day. But Ba'etzamayomazem is a phrase that's used about six, seven times in Chumash total. Where is Ba'etzamayomazem used? Avraham. What? Avraham, right? It's not used in Avraham, it's used for in, in, when Noach, when Noach comes into the Teva. And it's used in the context of Avraham dying, and it's used with Avraham, correct, on Brit Milah, when Avraham does Brit Milah, very good, very good. Um, those are dates that we know. We have no idea what date any of those things happen. But it is used three times in the context of an event that we know very well when it happened, which is? So if we say that is an allusion to that singular day that has the to it, and then you look again at this map at this mapping of the parashah, you'll see that the parallel phrase to is Mimacharata Shabbat. And perhaps that's why the uh the text is Connecting the two to associate <laughs> wink wink is really the David Sat Mitzrayim, the fifteenth of Nisan. Shabbat is the sixteenth. Now, one last little cherry on top of that is there's a famous free that says on the context in the context of Moshe dying. Why did say Because Bnei Yisrael didn't want to let Moshe go. Mm-hmm. Now, says I'm going to take Moshe in front of you. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it. That's something I was at. Avraham. All these people are going to try to stop Avraham, this old man, from doing Brit Milah. I'm going to do, do it. That's something I was at. 
Noah didn't want to go into the You're going in, that's something I want to say. And of course, you can't be trying. And so perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the Torah here is hinting to something future that there's going to be a huge battle about the date of the Omer. And therefore, it is Be'etzam Hayom that is the solution to the date of Mimacharat HaShabbat.